Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway, 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Plenty of college football discussion on tap today. Six matchups between top 25 schools. Looking forward to the breakdown with Bobby Carpenter that's coming up in about 15 minutes from now. We'll get his analysis and overview of the upcoming weekend, including Tennessee and Alabama. A lot to discuss in Major League Baseball. NFL headlines as well as we turn the page and look ahead to week six. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. You know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to get inside the chat. I waited too long yesterday. I was not in the YouTube chat. I am entering the chat. Get right on now. in there. I've entered the chat. I'm starting with a good afternoon, everyone. YouTube. <laughs> We're going to get the chat going. Big stuff. Has entered you. I'm in. I, I am inside. <laughs> I'm in the chat, and I want people to chat with me. This is going to be a big time show today. I waited about two hours into the show yesterday to log into the chat, so that was a little late. How about two things? How about the Yankees last night? How about Hunt calling that Cole? was going to pitch like an ace, which he did last night. Home run, minimized, solo shot, relatively painless, 6.1. His movement was excellent. He was striking out people. Unfortunately, their guy struck out people this, for a while, too. But the Yankees took care of business. This is, a, this is a lineup where I think he gets his confidence back. He gets the mojo back against that Guardians lineup. Well, because, it, again, they're not power. They're, they're no. very soft hitters. There's a $180 million difference between the payrolls of these teams. Yeah, but look, it gets his confidence back. That's fine. They win this series. If they go to Houston, I don't know how much his confidence means. If he if he slips balls into the middle of the plate, which is what he's done all well, you're year. You're saying that the movement's like, back. Occasionally. The, his movement was good last night, but he still you know, like threw it. one right over the heart of the plate and a light hitter. Bombed it. If that comes and it's a three-run shot in Houston as opposed to a one-run shot against soft-hitting Cleveland, yeah, yeah. I, I, I still so, worry Chad, about it. But they did what Tyler, they needed to do last Tyler's night. Tyler's our they Cleveland like- guy in here in studio with us. Tyler earmuffs on this one. Okay, Chad, your thoughts. Paul, this is not me trying to jinx the Yankees on this. No, we don't believe in that. You got no problem in this series. Your problem's going to come after this series. Yeah. This, is, this should be a three-game sweep. However. Uh, watching these two teams play last night, Cleveland, nice story. That's where you see the one over $180 million difference between these two rosters. And this scheduling that we discussed is going to be a problem because they're off today, and tomorrow night there's like a 100% chance of a monsoon starting in the afternoon and going all night. So they can get rained out tomorrow, and then it's conceivable, no matter how long the series goes, that they play uh, every day starting Saturday for as long as they need to, to go with travel days, thank goodness it's relatively short flight, but that they'd be traveling on the days that they play in a 2-2-1 series. Uh, and today, it's perfectly nice in New York. There's a vibe, though. There's a vibe I have where... So the Yankees, to start the season on this tear, right? An unbelievable start and what they were on pace for. Judge was very consistent throughout, and 
throughout the season, groups of Yankees players were very hot or cold. And there is this hesitation now from fans like Paul or national media members even to say, you know what? They're about to heat back up. I think they're going through that next wave of hitting this great play rate where we're going to look back and think, oh, this is the Yankees team we were talking about in May and June. Well, my thing is, when they were on that heater too good not for to the first that. half of the year, they played really clean baseball, which they had not played the year before. And they're still doing things last night. Like base running? IKF, uh, mishandles two balls. Um, Donaldson covering second on a, on a steal in a big shift from third, mishandles the ball. Donaldson, who's done this during the regular season, hits a ball that hits the top of the wall and idiotically it's goes into a, like home a home run, run trot and that gets thrown behind him. I have a big problem, by the way, with Travis Chapman. Look, this is on Donaldson, number one, and it's on Boone because Boone didn't ride his butt during the season when he did it a couple times. But Travis Chapman, the first base coach, can't be high-fiving the guy instead of coaching the play and watching what's happening and telling him, you either need to bust it to second for a double or stay right here until we know. You don't run for a home run until you see the umpire signal home run. And that could have bit them. And if they do that kind of stuff against the Astros, it will bite them. Yeah, I really think, though... It's setting up to be Yankees-Dodgers, in my opinion, right now. Oh, From what I've seen this year, it, it, a New York-LA series. Um, if I, there's you one, agree with me on this, where the, the roster is going to... They're yeah, going to hit a cycle here where they're Well, Judge going struck out his first three at-bats last I'm not, night, and they, I'm they were fine. I'm not burying the Braves yet or anything. They're the defending champs until proven otherwise. Yeah, and they win today, but they're, they're and they're They're about fun. to go against Zach Wheeler, who's got a whip under one against the Braves over the last three years. This is not good. It's desperation mode, and they're going against the guy they've hit less than anyone else in baseball uh, today for the Phillies. So that is not good. And if they go down 0-2, it's over uh, when they go to Philly. The Phillies the team to watch, though, because until we show that graphic yesterday, you don't realize they're third in baseball in payroll. They pay $50 million more fourth, than the Braves. Because the Mets weren't on that list. Sorry, they've yeah, been so, so fourth. Wow. But they have a $50 million more a year payroll than Atlanta. They were not healthy most of the year. Bryce Harper came back late. They, he, he they underachieved. <laughs> they were 14 games. That was odd when yeah. we saw that. that Sack bunt attempt by Bryce Harper. They were 14 or 16 games behind the Braves at the end of the regular season, but they had guys missing throughout the chunk of the year. That was an underachieving regular season team in a great division that featured Braves, Mets, Phillies in that order at the top. That if I'm picking a team right now that, oh, that's the hot team that puts it together late and could go on a run, it's it's Philly. It sure felt like it could be the Mariners yesterday before oh. the Astros did the kind of thing that well, the that, Astros did. I was going to get to that. Like they're, they're, you feel like the Mariners were coming into the series where, oh, there, there's, some, there's some mojo there. And if they win that first one. Yes. You get one that you're coming back home in, what, three days. You get that game, and then to have the, have the game end the way it did with the walk-off, that's... That's one Swings of those gut in a punches where I think the Mariners are kind of like, well, what a run. That was fun. I saw our guy, Seth Payne in Houston, say that pretty sure these Mariners may have actually sacrificed a live chicken down 7 nothing in Toronto in that game too, like Major League, because they had some weird mojo happening until the Astros took that mojo back to end the game. Here's Astros uh, radio on the call, 790 with Robert Ford. Deep right field! 
Oh, the pain. Love the moments, though. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That was the, the opposite of what I'm going to get into in my primary complaint, which was oh. Bob Costas's <laughs> home run call for the Harrison Bader game-tying home run, which was the oh. most lukewarm sports moment I've ever heard. Very limp. Bob Costas was terrible on well, that broadcast. They, and I'm a Bob Costas fan, and he was terrible. I, I know where you're going on the, uh, the rest of that, too, for that broadcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll save it. They deserve the ridicule. Complaint. Um, getting into uh, some of the, the news and notes of the day, um, Devontae Adams charged with a misdemeanor assault based on the shove in the tunnel after Monday Night Football. You could tell this was coming, right? Based on the reaction, the, yeah. the, the stories yesterday from the photographer, how he went to the hospital, uh, paid his own way and did that, you know, the private ambulance or whatever. Um, was he wearing a neck collar? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's the, the next step. What's, what's yeah. the fine for a misdemeanor assault? I'm, I'm wondering. Well, so, you so go on probation, obviously. It's very interesting to me. So yesterday, last night, late last night, um, Pro Football Talk and another outlet, it may have been The Athletic, they put out something to the effect of the NFL office will now direct their attention to the Devontae Adams incident on Wednesday. And I'm thinking... For personal conduct policy. Right, but I'm thinking, wh why wait? What do, why do you need 24 to 48 hours? And you're going to... So now the Raiders are going to sit back and find out potentially on a Friday that he's not available? Well, to me, this is and, not and a personal conduct. This shouldn't fall on their personal conduct policy. Personal conduct policy is things literally off the field. And well, this literally was on the field. But conduct detrimental to the league, though. That, that's very broad. This, to me, should be governed like stuff in game like the saturday news dump if you ask about a guy being fined and suspended and the league gets back to you on saturday and it comes out okay so, so you know what i'm saying this is this is even less than a misdemeanor which was what was tweeted out originally so rapaport has clarified this point of clarity on Devonte adams he's been charged with a city ordinance violation which is a little lower than a state misdemeanor assault charge per the prosecutor's office. It carries a fine of $250 to $1,000 or up to 100 days, 180 days in jail or both. So you could be fined 250 bucks or you could go to jail for 180 days. Or That's both? About as, or both. That's about as broad as the personal conduct policy yeah. is for yeah. these players And to we know where Boy, judge is going to come really down. having a bad day if they decide you're going to jail for 180 days. <laughs> yeah. You know, First normally we can offense. pay 250 bucks, but I don't like your face, so you're going to jail for 180 days also, and you're going to hand over that $280. Well, I'm, $280. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit humorous when I say on I the field, but this doesn't require opening an event. I mean, it no. happened right there. There's video of it. He responded and, to it in the and locker there's room. There's court proceedings, and Apologized he's spoken to Apologized five minutes, it. ten minutes later. Give him a call. Keep, keep have a conversation. Guy. I'll open and close your case. Agreed. Give, give if you're guy. suspending him or not, or you're fining him, I think it's a fine. Let's, fine him and move on. Let's handle this the old-fashioned way. Just give the guy five grand and tell him to shut up and be done with it. But, uh, but that's, that's also, about what that like, shove. But the shove by a famous rich person in their place of business <laughs> when you're just doing your job, to me, that's worth about five grand. Of hush money. Is I feel it, like you pay him that and you, you're done with it. The so, pressing charges and everything else, it's yeah. a charade. But what about from the league? Is it suspension worthy? No. No. So you fine him, whatever the CBA I mean, what's suspension allows? worthy is we're going to talk about is Draymond Green. <laughs> If right, you want to get into right. that, it's Aaron oh, Donald ridiculous. in practice. Also, that, that's not, you know, it's we have these different rules about 
practice versus games, but yeah. we should also have different rules about participating players in competition against each other versus some camera guy running around, but we also need to use our brains and common sense and say he's not hurt. The intent was not to injure this guy. In a moment of frustration, he walked in front of him and he gave him a shove and he fell down. Now, Devontae Adams claiming that I immediately regretted it. No, you didn't or you would have helped him up. So you regretted it once you got to the locker room. You walked right past the guy and yelled at him on your way past. when I got to the locker room. This guy should have gone further, by the way. I mean, if you're going to do it, go full body cast, put on the neck brace, (laughs) you know, sweet chuck, the whole thing. I want to get back into this because I I am split on how I feel about what we saw versus how the guy reacted to it. Okay? Like, like, I want accountability on both sides of this based on how easy he could have leaned into the incident. The photographer, I'm saying. It's not his fault he got shoved down. But to react as though, you know, you're... you're, Not life-threatening? Yes. There there needs to be some common sense on his end of this, too. And he's, I mean, again, he can do whatever he wants, but when we saw it, I think we knew it, there, had a, there was a chance it could get to this level and it would be laughed at, right? $250 yeah. fine, that's much ado about nothing. I, I want to get your, your, your guys' thoughts on how I feel about the other end of this. Uh, and Devontae Adams is at fault here, but the reaction to me is crazy. Uh, Bobby Carpenter's coming up. Maybe he has shoved a photographer in his past. What do you think, Chad? He's definitely shoved participants of a competition before i don't know if those participants included the working media i don't know let's, that he's ever laid hands on a photographer or let's reporter. uh let's find out from bobby biggest fine of his career yes we'll get into that plus excellent there are six top 25 matchups this weekend in college football we'll get his take on his favorite which is tennessee alabama and, and also well, we can get second favorite but also the worst matchup of the six i'm curious to know which way he'll go with that answer that's next and i'll kick 360 You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Tweeting out the link right now to let people know. Bobby Carpenter is with us. Time to break down six big games this weekend in the top 25 matchups coming up. Bobby Carpenter on Outkick 360. Bobby, hope you're doing well, man. Gentlemen, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, thank you for the time. Hey, so top, uh, top six games are in the top 25. Uh, curious to get your take on Tennessee, Alabama, as we uh, as we begin our previews for the weekend. You know, that's I think this is going to be probably hopefully the best matchup of the week. Uh, we've seen this for so long, where you feel like Tennessee's kind of getting over the hump. That offense is rolling. You kind of saw it last year. It felt like it may be a breakthrough opportunity, and then all of a sudden, it's just swiped away from them. So, I think this year is different. When you have the second oldest quarterback in the SEC in Hendon Hooker, he's a heck of a player. He's got a cannon for an arm. The way that they're able to stretch the defense, Alabama's got a terrific D. They've got terrific individual players. 
But the way you can beat that is by stretching those guys 53 yards wide. And that's what Josh Heupel and that offense like to do. They have the vertical threats. They like to push the ball down the field. And I think if they can get the magic number for me is 35. Now, some of that depends if Bryce Young plays, how effective he is. I think it's trending like he's going to play. But I think if Tennessee can turn this thing into a shootout, into a game that Alabama, as we saw last week, I don't think is very well equipped to play. I think if they can get the 35 to 38 points, then I think Tennessee that or Tennessee gets there, then I think the balance of power shifts to them because they're more of an offensive threat. That means they have been able to move the football. And I don't know if this Bama team has those explosive players on the edge. They're too beat up at the wideout position. And even if Bryce plays, I don't know if he's enough to do it by himself. Well, and speaking of beat up at the wideout position, um, it's looking more and more like Cedric Tillman may not be able to go uh, when the thought was, well, he'll he'll miss LSU, but he should be back for the Alabama game. Uh, it did not cost Tennessee against Florida. It certainly did not cost Tennessee against LSU. They've got capable wide receivers outside of Cedric Tillman. What kind of factor do you think that is in this game, though, Bobby, against Alabama without a Cedric Tillman, who, by the way, went off against Alabama a year ago down in Tuscaloosa? That'll definitely be a loss. I mean, I'm not going to dismiss it, but to me, I think Tennessee is just deeper at the wide receiver position this year. I mean, I know Tillman's great, and obviously you can see the impact when he's not in the game, but, I mean, you look at him, there's still plenty explosive enough and it all goes through their quarterback. And I'll take an elite quarterback with average wideouts all day long. And I think Hooker, that's what he is. So despite the fact that, like you said, Tillman's not going to play, that obviously is, is something that's going to hurt hurt Tennessee, given the fact that you you think they need all hands on deck to be able to pull this monumental upset. Heck, guys, like it was when I was first in the NFL, the last time that Tennessee was able to beat Alabama. It's been so long ago. So you'd like to be at full strength. But the reality is I think that they have enough still, even without Tillman, to be able to pull this off if they play well. You take anything from the the idea that Quinn Ewers, Ewers was uh, very effective against them before he got hurt and the best quarterback they've gone against until Hooker? Yeah, I mean, I, you look at what, you know, Texas, they were able to spin it around on them. I mean, A&M was able to move the football. Heck, they were a back shoulder throw away from tying that game up. And no one's writing home about that A&M offense. So, you know, Texas, when uh, Ewers was playing, you know, I, I think Hooker's better than him. He's sure. Here's the one thing I think that we didn't really truly understand until after COVID with all these guys getting extra years. Maturity matters, and it matters a lot in college football. And so when you have a, a quarterback who's 24 years old, who's played in a lot of big games, who's been beat in big games, who knows when you can kind of feel – you know, for lack of a better term, the tide swaying back and forth. I think, you know, having that veteran presence will make a big difference. And, you know, Quinn Ewers, good player, young guy, got nicked up, and then you saw that game kind of spin away on Texas a little bit. So Penn State, Michigan, Bobby, to me feels like, okay, the winner of this game is the perfect team that's in line for that possible second spot out of the Big Ten in a college football playoff. They stay alive in that round robin. What do you think specifically about the matchup from what you've seen with both these teams so far? You know, it's going to be interesting for Michigan. J.J. McCarthy's made a lot of big plays. He's a young player, super athletic, but will his desire to extend plays ultimately bite him at some point in time? Because he's a guy who doesn't like to give up on anything. And so occasionally he'll take the 17-yard sack that's an absolute drive killer. But you've got Blake Corum. He's able to run the football you know, Michigan hasn't really been able to stretch the field vertically. Their vertical pass game hasn't been great. 
Um, Penn State's defense is pretty good. It looks like more of a classic Penn State defense. James Franklin has needed this momentum, but guys, if you look back to last year, I believe Penn State was five and zero to start the season, and then they had the the uh, the injury at quarterback. All of a sudden, things start spinning out of control once Clifford wasn't able to play anymore. Um, I think the weakness for Penn State is their offensive line. They can run the ball. Clifford's a great, you know, a really good game manager. He's better than that, but he hopefully at this point in his career isn't going to lose you the game. The fact that it's in Ann Arbor, Penn State has historically struggled up there. So I would give the edge to Michigan. I think they're about a seven-point favorite. Uh, but guys, like, it, this is what's crazy. You know, it's almost better, depending on whoever wins this game, you know, they'll probably they'll be playing Ohio State. That'll end up being probably the de facto Big Ten championship for whoever wins the West. But like I look at this game, you know, and, and how this is going to shake out very similarly to that Tennessee-Bama game. Because if Tennessee beats, let's say, you know, Tennessee, you know, could beat Bama, lose to Georgia. Georgia ultimately goes to the SEC championship. Let's say Bama beats them. I mean, who are you taking? Are you taking Bama or Georgia and Bama? You're taking Georgia and uh, Tennessee or Tennessee and Bama. I think, I think like this could be another situation where the loser of this game or the winner of this game, if they play really well and look good, should they play well against Ohio State, could set themselves up to be that second team in the division to where if there's a little chaos, Clemson maybe loses and there isn't really another contender that you could have really a two conference representation. Bobby Carpenter with us on Outkick 360. So uh, we've gone through Alabama and Tennessee, three versus six. Michigan and Penn State. Uh, Mississippi State and Kentucky, 16 versus 22 out of the AP Top 25. Oklahoma State, TCU is an eight versus 13 this weekend. NC State, Syracuse, 15 versus 18. And the last one, USC and Utah, seven versus 20. Of the the great football we're going to watch this weekend, which game are do you think is not much of a game? Which game do you think is actually a little lopsided? I would like to hope that Florida State is going to be able to hang with Clemson. They've been up and down. Um, Clemson looks to be getting it together. You know, they've won a number of big games, beat Wake Forest, they beat NC State. You know, they've done it in a variety of ways. Offense has been able to kind of come alive. Their secondary, I think, has been exposed a little bit, you know, at at times against Wake. But, you know, they seem to be getting the running game going. DJ has been able to run the football. He looks better throwing it, looks much more decisive. I could see Clemson pull away. I would love to see that big, big, a big game. I would love to see it come down to the wire. Because I think if Florida State beats them, then you legitimately have some nice parity in the ACC. You've got Florida State back in the conversation, which I think is good for football. I'd love to see Florida State be able to win nine games. The game that I'm really going to love to watch, well, I guess the two that I want to see the most of, though, I want to see if Leach and his pirate self can head into Lexington and be able to get another win and keep this thing rolling. Heck, Mississippi State's ranked 14th. They're a one-loss squad. Kentucky's reeling a little bit. You know, Levis is is banged up. You know, you know Mississippi State's going to be able to score the ball. And this is like the styles make fights. I mean, you have Mark Stoops, who's stoic, tough, Youngstown guy, going against a guy who talks about Japanese toilets, candy corns, and weddings, <laughs> and wants to throw the ball 65 times a game. Like, it's, I think that'll be really compelling. And then the last game, you know, that nightcap uh, when USC visits Utah and you know, you're heading out there to Salt Lake City and USC can score it. They can sling it around, but how good is their defense? Utah has done a great job all year of being able to run the football. They're tough. They're physical. And can they 
run the football well enough and control the clock enough to be able to pull out a win. And, you know, frankly, for as good as USC has been playing, guys, they're the dog in this game, which is kind of surprising to me, given the fact that it's USC, it's a big brand, and they've been scoring a million points. Speaking of Levis, we've, we've had some fun this week with Mel Kuyper declaring him uh, the number one guy in the, in the draft. And then we know the draft is about traits. But do you even see the traits in him that would make him in any way more attractive than, than Young and Stroud, who we've been talking about as, as the feature guys in this quarterback class and class? You know, I, I believe in traits. I think traits are a big part of it. But there's also the intangible element, especially at the quarterback position where, you know, you can throw the ball a country mile. You'll get a guy, you know, Jamarcus Russell. I mean, he could throw it. He was pretty athletic. J- Jameis Winston, another guy. I mean, Josh Allen, I thought, was going to fall into that category. Jay Cutler was a good NFL quarterback, but his traits were elite and they were great. So you felt like he should have even been better. It's the ability to see the field, throw with accuracy and timing. And so I've seen Will Levis do those things, but I've seen CJ Stroud do them a lot better. Um, And I've seen Bryce Young. Now, Bryce Young doesn't maybe have the physical build, and that's the one thing that's concerning, especially when he gets injuries. But you know, I want a guy who can command the huddle, a guy who can find receivers, a guy who's not going to get rattled, and a guy who can process a quick processor. The only player in the NFL that I've seen as of late who's gotten better at processing and become more accurate since they got in the league is Josh Allen, because that generally doesn't happen. Those things are kind of ingrained. You can get a little better at them, but you're not going to ultimately become somebody who's highly accurate and a quick processor if that's never been what you were. And here's Syracuse. Still undefeated right now. Dino Babers had some success there in your state at at Bowling Green. Uh, They host NC State, who has been very underwhelming so far this year. They're a slight home favorite. If they win, Bobby, it's a pretty big game at Clemson next week. If Clemson's able to win this week also, we're talking two undefeated ACC teams this late into October, and Syracuse possibly being one of them. How have they gotten it done so far this year at Syracuse? Well, they pound the ball with Tucker. I mean... You know, it's. I was able to do. I did their game last year against JMU, and it was uh, it's pretty impressive. You know, Tucker was a freshman, I believe. They line up, and you know, they're going to do it out of the spread. You know, three wide receivers and one tight end, but they're going to run old school football plays, counters. You know, some powers and get behind Tucker and let him going. Uh, Shaver's going to throw the ball. Schrader's going to throw the ball just enough to be able to get. You know, be able to keep them off balance. Heck, they shouldn't have beat Purdue. They pulled well, pulled a rabbit out of their hat, and it was much as Purdue losing that thing. It was them winning. But you know, give Dino Babers credit; he's got them to five and zero. They're playing good football, like you said. NC State, Dennis Leary, they've been all right this year, or uh, Devin Leary, they've been all right this year. But like they, they haven't as imp- been impressive as much as they have last year. And looking forward to next week, should Syracuse win this game, you rewind uh, one of the last big upsets that Clemson had before they kind of fell apart last year um, was. I think maybe four or five years ago, 2018, you know, Syracuse was able to beat them. And then that next year, they played them really tough again. And those were not good Syracuse teams. So I'm excited to kind of see that. You know, all that orange on the field should be entertaining to watch. It'll give you a, maybe give you a seizure. But uh, that's that the orange are playing well. And uh, give Dino Babers credit because he was definitely on the high, hot seat coming into this year. Bobby, uh, right before you joined us, we were having a conversation about the fines for a misdemeanor assault. Um, with uh, what was charged against uh, Devontae Adams shoving the photographer, which we're going to get into later. Uh, but it, it led to, you know, there's a team fine and there's a league fine. What was the biggest fine you were ever levied in the league? 
Okay, guys, I like to keep my money, and so I didn't like to do foolish things. Uh, the uniform violations when I was in the league. Now I think I'm sure they've gone up. Inflation, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now. The the Putin price hike, whatever it is, but um, I got a, a uniform violation for five thousand dollars for not having the correct ratio of blue to white or color to white in my sock. And you know, they have a guy on the field usually checks you. I thought I was good. I appealed it. They they eliminate it. Usually you get one mulligan, and that's the only fine that I ever got wow. while I was playing. Even and internally. it was actually wiped away. Even internally. Well, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm I'm not even internally. I'm a rule follower, guys. I showed up on time. I made my weights. I did what I was supposed to do. Like I played in the NFL is hard. And guys, you know, can get kind of loose with their cash. I looked at that, man. You know, there's guys that act like getting fined five grand wasn't a big deal because you're making a lot of money. But I'm like, man, 20 years from now, you'd be dying out of that five thousand dollars back. Hey, so I did, I, you, uh, did you ever shove a cameraman down and get away with it without being fined? <laughs> yeah, I guess is what we're asking. Come on. Yeah, no, I I was never into bit fighting. Got in a couple a couple scuffles with teammates. And I, I understand this. I understand Devontae Adams' frustration. If he would have leaned over and helped him up at that point, because I think he kind of got surprised by it a little bit, just shoved him. Oh, you got I think he because everything I've heard, man, Devontae Adams is a good dude. I mean, there are guys in the NFL who are bad guys. Devontae Adams is not one of them. He's a good dude. If he helps him up, I don't think that happens. Got caught up in the moment. This isn't something that's a pattern for him. But yeah, I was never the guy. Show I'm not Dennis Rodman kicking cameramen on the floor, shoving them down. Uh, be glad you're not playing in this era with the uh, fines that are going to be handed oh. out for roughing the passer. That that the sack the, on Tom Brady, and I can't remember who did who Brady had that. Jarrett. Brady Jarrett. Brady Jarrett. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what you want. And then they asked Tom about it afterwards. What's Tom supposed to say? Like, I told him to pick the flag. I mean, like dude, he's going to take it. Every player is going to take the penalty if you're going to give it to him. But the Chris Jones situation where he literally strip sacks Derek Carr, he's got the ball in his hand, and he does exactly what they tell you to do on the video. He releases his left hand. If you watch the kind of brace, because they didn't want you ever grabbing him and driving him into the ground. So he releases that left hand. Heck, the right hand's got the football in it. Like, what do you want the guy to do? And the official's like, well, he's got to complete the act of the pass. What, what the heck? Is, what the heck is that? Complete the act of the, we're making crap up now, gentlemen. Simply, this is what we do in society. In the NFL, they've fallen victim to like everyone else. You had a bad situation happen with Tua because the protocols weren't followed. It wasn't a problem with the protocols. It's the fact that people weren't following them correctly. You should have never came back in the game and everybody knows it. So now what do we do? Teddy Bridgewater gets knocked down and they just send him out of the game. We throw the flag on every quarter on every player that touches a quarterback. Like, how about we just do what we're supposed to do and then we don't have to worry about it? Yes. Amen. I agree. Well they're, said. They're holding the the officials accountable instead of the uh, I'm saying the league is asking the, for the officials to hold them accountable it's instead a, of the league and the policy. It's your standard overreaction that we're seeing, that we see with a lot of yeah, things. But, I mean, it's, but it's not even overreaction to me, Bobby, But and I'll, we'll, we'll leave on this. Um, I've seen harder hits throughout the league when I'm going back and watching games this week. And it's not, it, they're not throwing a ton of flags, but the ones they are are horrible. It's because they're from highly visible situations. It's the quarterback position. Yeah. They could give two craps if a running back gets lit up, if a linebacker gets blindsided. Like, they don't care about that. They care about the guys that are making $40 million a year and the camera is on 80% of the time. And I get it. But, like, that's like saying it. 
you know, dude kills three kids in a school zone because he's driving 90 miles an hour and drunk. And so you pull someone over now going 22 miles an hour as if like that's going to solve the problem. Like just because one bad thing happened that wasn't handled well doesn't mean that everybody else is out there doing it wrong. The guys, they've done a pretty good job on defense. You've asked them to not dive on guys, not fall on them, not hit them in the legs, not hit them in the head, yeah. all these damn rules. And they're doing it. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, that's, that's still not good enough. You can't even like wrap a guy up and swing him to the ground. Go get after it today. Thank you for the time. Enjoy the football this weekend, man. And uh, we'll be listening to Sirius XM channel 84. Thanks. Right. Little meathead radio. Thanks guys. That's right. Cheers. There's uh, Bobby Carpenter at B Carp three is where you can follow him on social. To his point, you know, we, I don't think we've heard a thing about Naheem Hines getting knocked out of the Thursday night football game for the Colts on the third or fourth play of the game since that no. happened. They know all the talk is going to be about quarterbacks, so the things being called are all around the quarterbacks. And to Bobby's point, I don't think they really care about other positions with big hits happening as much and guys getting dinged there. I think the emphasis is always going to be on let's make sure we don't have another situation like the one we just had where the most, the most high-profile position is the one stumble drunk getting up, going, trying to go to the sideline or the huddle, and then being allowed to go back in the game. But on top of that, though, I mean, I've seen harder hits on quarterbacks in week five than what we saw with Brady or Carson Wentz or insert quarterback here um, than what was flagged in these games. That's my point. I mean, it's not like they're going over the top with quarterback hits. These are just so egregiously wrong and completely missed the point on the rule itself. I, the, the one on Brady is, I mean, even Brady's like, look, I don't throw the flags. Well, Brady said, I throw tablets, and Brady not said this uh, bef- before, you know, uh, it was an interview with the team website before the 2021 season where he talked about punishing the defense for offensive deficiencies. Yeah. And, and Mahomes is even saying like it's gotten out of hand. He was saying that post game. Yep. Crazy. So here's my quick take on, um, on the shove. So, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this as I see the misdemeanor assault and the, you know everybody's pressing charges or whatever. Um, to, I mean, people don't realize, and we, we've had McLean on, Paul certainly has stories. Um, the average reporter has stories of how often things get heated in a locker room setting or threats are made based on reporters doing their job and how often... Things are just swept under the rug by teams and people and personnel who witnessed this take place. And it's just kind of a handshake deal the next day. Everybody makes up and you move on about your business. I don't know how we're not looking at this from both angles on how it was handled after the shove. From not just for De- Devontae Adams, but the photographer who acts like he's on death's door at the hospital based on the police report. It's, it's out of hand on both sides here. With the, with the initial shove, I'm with everybody. Everyone said, like, if he helps him up immediately, it looks different. I agree. But this is way, it's a stepping way over the top of, of anything that you would say is common sense worthy in reaction to this. Yeah, you're saying that makes me wonder, uh, and I don't know if you know from reading, like, is this a, regular guy is he there all the time is he a sports guy is connected to a media outlet or or a team because if you are well, and you're Kansas around City. all the time and you have those um 
that familiarity with the game day operation. Someone and stuff, with the Chiefs would have come up to heat him. Heat of the or, moment. Yeah. It, it point being like. Because when a guy threatens to kill you uh, <laughs> and you wind up back in the locker room the next day, it does get kind of glossed over. Well, and it's. Yes. Uh, it, it, Talking about how it was handled after, I thought Devontae Adams handled the way he should in front of the media when he had a chance to speak on it. The first thing he said was the apology. Then he tweeted it out. But why is he not reaching out to one should of the attendants the there with the Raiders saying, hey, can Give we get that, that guy. guy back here? Well, and maybe then he talk did. to him for a second. And they simply said, oh, uh, he's currently, he decided to take private ambulance to the hospital, which the police. Yeah, would, and if that's wrote. the case, then that's all on the guy that got shoved down, and there's nothing you can do about it. But I, I would like to know more to the story if. The Raiders and Adams tried to personally reach out to bring the guy into the locker room to apologize to him face-to-face, or if they didn't. If he just thought, I'll just uh, apologize through the media and hope, hope this goes away. And this guy's decided, I mean, we, we, nope. We literally had uh, the NFL's best defensive player use a helmet as a weapon in a joint practice, and it was gone in 24 hours. And this guy's getting evaluated at the hospital for being shoved down on his butt in a corridor in a non-life-threatening yes. non-life-threatening injuries yes i, I mean I, I, our our inability as a group to not to see process what this different is, things is it's bizarre to me it's, that's it it's also, I, under, I understand that adams is in the wrong here i also look at it like do we is this really necessary the answer is no well here's the other thing that's okay necessary versus unnecessary in all of this okay uh, the protester or whatever the guy was doing with the baby reveal or whatever he's doing that ran on the field. It was field. a protester. So the protester, okay. Yeah, there's two of them and one of them got caught before he made it on the field. What was he protesting, by the way? Do we know? Uh, yeah, something with... Um, what was it? Yeah, it was a pig farm. Oh, it was another pig farm of thing. All right, so the, the pig farm protester gets laid out by Bobby Wagner and legitimately injured. I mean, he suffered a concussion. concussion. I think a broken rib. On the hit also. I mean, he was severely injured, but no one is on that guy's side, right? They're all like, well, you run on the field. That football player can do whatever you want. Here you have a situation where a football player walking off the field barely shoves a guy down, clearly not injured the way he hit the ground. But the guy entitled to his space. Guy entitled to his space, I get that, but no, he's just it's running just, across. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying Bobby Wagner should be imprisoned or anything like that. Right, right. But it is interesting to me that Bobby Wagner doesn't have to lay the guy out either. I mean, he is well, a that, professional well, football player but, that's a lot stronger than that guy. I would be annoyed also, but there's no issue with oh, that. I, I think I you feel said, like we don't have any issue with that. You run on a field like that, clean, clean as clock. I'm all for what Bobby Wagner did. And that guy's getting destroyed one way or the other, either by a player or a guy wearing a yellow vest who is making $17 an hour to be there. It's one of the two. So either way, he's getting tackled. But not all of of them are physically gifted. I I think it's just interesting how these things are discussed in that we can't separate two of them and say, okay, this guy was not in the wrong other than he may have walked in front of Devontae Adams when he shouldn't have when he's walking off the field, but he's not hurt. But, I mean, this guy could paralyze him, and we don't care <laughs> if he runs on the field, and it doesn't matter. Um, I, it's just interesting to me. Well, see, Again, to me, I don't have an, I don't have an issue with that guy getting of, laid out. The, the guy that's running onto the field is breaking a rule. knows the repercussions of doing that. So you step into the lion's den, there's a chance you're going to get Hit. crushed here. Get mauled. 
the, the photographer has his be, right be the to go across the the open corridor there to get a better vantage point of, of a, uh, a he's credentialed he has the ability within a parameter where he's allowed to be to get the best angle he wants to get right. and he's not he's not Doing jumping in front of Devonte Adams as much as he is just sprinting across that uh, that area to get to the other side where he's roped off and allowed to be there's a big difference there. And no, I, look, I, I totally agree. I'm not on the side of the protester oh, not, not getting laid out. I just think it's fascinating how we the lens through which we view both these stories, one involving an actual injury and the other one not involving an injury at all, but a guy's pretending that he's injured. But, hey, that guy can do whatever he wants because he's just some poor camera guy <laughs> walking from point A to point B. And, I mean... I, Personally, if it was me that got shoved down by Devontae Adams, I'd find it hilarious. I'd come back yeah. in the next day, talk about it, try to get Devontae Adams on the show. I, I would demand a personal apology on a show where he does it live on air. I mean, you have fun with it, but this guy files a police report. Yeah. He's not hurt. It's He's not hurt. It's crazy to me. Um, now, Devontae Adams should have helped The line him for me is uh, accident- not accidental, but I know, I know without malice. It, 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 there was malice too, but I'm, what I'm saying is, there's not like a personal thing going yeah. on where he says, "All right, now I'm going to throw you to the ground." Well, Let me know. again, though, Bobby Wagner mauled the guy. I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but knew exactly what he was going to do to that guy, shoulder to shoulder. When he laid him out, anyway, shoulder to shoulder. Just interesting. Uh, coming up, primary complaint on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. I'll kick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Time for primary complaint. Guys, I will kick things off and make it very simple and how predictable this is with Jerome Boger. Um, bad in week five. So in week six, he's punished. He's sent to Indy for the white hat assignment with the Colts and the Jaguars. I hate how predictable this is, where the punishment for being bad by the officials is the crew is sent to a game where most of the country is not going to watch. That's my primary complaint. My primary complaint this week, it happened last night on the Yankees-Guardians broadcast. Bob Costas. I've always been a big fan. I think he's very good at what he does. He has become insufferable. And listening to him on that broadcast for an entire game, Bob Costas has bought into the myth of himself that people really care about everything that he says. People like Bob Costas because he's good about talking about sports, but also calling games. Calling the games. Not giving us a Ken Burns baseball documentary over the course of the three and a half hours for a baseball game. Calling the game in front of you. Bob Costas, last night in that game, is my primary complaint. In Washington over the weekend, I managed to find a uh, relatively good price at a very, relatively good hotel. And this good hotel in Georgetown didn't have uh, self-parking. My primary complaint's the valet guy who returned my car 
oh. from Avis to me looking like this. This, I mean, it looks like uh, he he hit something. He it's, hit like a fire hydrant. It's not quite as bad as it looks in the photo, but I recognized it immediately, and I actually had looked at the front huh. of the car. It looks pretty bad. The You're day not before, that. it looks bad. The day before at FedEx Field, because it was under funny lights in the parking lot, um, this dude messed up the car. I haven't heard from Avis yet, but I took pictures. I talked to the manager who was on duty at the time, and I've sent an email to management um, with a picture and with my valet ticket. When Avis comes to me, I'm going to the Westin. What did he? What did they say though? What did the valet? He said tell you? Uh, I didn't do anything. You could check the cameras. Well, it, to be fair, it may not have been him. You're blaming this one valet no, it guy. Could it could have been, been the, the guy who the put it up. Before. Yes. Yeah. It could have been anyone else parking cars next to yours. It could have been a lot of things. I know who it was. They could have put it in Me. a garage, Paul, where people at the restaurant next door were parking next to it, and someone backed into it, and the valet had nothing to do with it. If they come calling for money, someone Davis, I ain't paying it. Somebody connected to the uh, Western is. I agree. Once the valet takes it, I feel like even if someone else hits it in that garage they park in, Attached to another business, liability falls yeah, on them. I fear the for back, having parked I, I it. I fear the back damaged. of the ticket says something else, except I don't have glasses powerful enough to read that <laughs> print. Yeah, you, are you saying you signed your life away when you gave him the ten dollars tip? Probably. No. Coming up, headlines. We will also get into uh, the teams that we're eliminating from playoff contention in the NFL going into Week Six. We'll discuss the best of Week Five and the best matchups coming up this weekend. That's all straight ahead. <laughs> 